0: Daughters of Salofi Had, from the sermon series, Unsung Heroines, spoken by Pastor Shirley Yu. So we're continuing with our um, sermon series of Unsung Heroines, celebrating heroic women of our faith. Women! Hoot hoot! That's right, that's right. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Sunita started off the series speaking about Hannah who teaches us about demonstrating heroic faith in the midst of heartache. Pastor Peter talked about Deborah, from whom we learned about demonstrating untamed faith. And last week, Pastor Ansi spoke to us about Abigail, about being peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. Today, we'll be focusing on the five daughters of Zelophehad, try saying that 10 times, In Numbers chapter 27, and how God teaches us through these five daughters about living in justice and equity. Um, Here's an image that helps us to define justice and equity. So first we look on the very left, and it shows what equality is, right? So with equality, the assumption is that everyone benefits from the same supports with the blocks, the same blocks to stand on to watch this soccer game. So everyone can watch. With equity, everyone gets the supports that they need. So the support differs according to the individual's needs so that everybody, all, can really watch the soccer game. Now with justice, all three can see the game without supports or accommodations because the causes of the inequity was addressed. The systemic barrier has been removed. The systemic barrier of that blocking fence has been removed. That is justice. Before we go any further, um, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for making us Thank you that we get to worship you no matter where we are in all circumstances. And thank you, God, for making me a woman. Thank you for calling us to live in your purpose. Today, I pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts, our everything, to hear what you would like us to hear, especially in regards to justice and equity, because the world we live in is so fallen and so broken. So I pray that you would help me to be faithful, to follow the flow and the promptings of your Holy Spirit, to speak what you want me to speak, and for my sisters and brothers to hear what you want them to hear, that we may all learn to live in your justice and equity. Thank you for leading the way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. So today's passage is found in Numbers chapter 26, verse 33 and 27, verses 1 to 11. Zelophehad, son of Heifer, had no sons. He had only daughters. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Makur, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah. They came forward and stood before Moses, Elijah the priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting and said, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan? Because he had no son. Give us property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right you must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father had no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan that he may possess it. This is to have the force of law for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. To give a little background, in the old Israelite tradition, there was a patrilineal inheritance system where daughters did not have a share in the family estate. A father's property was divided between his sons after his death and then the oldest would receive twice as much. Daughters were treated differently. Instead of receiving property, they received a very substantial wedding gift, otherwise known as a dowry, from their fathers. But once a daughter was married off, her father was not responsible for her financially anymore because now she's in the hands of her husband. And then her sons would also then inherit the estate. So property was passed down from father to son, generation after generation, which would stay within that family and tribe and preserve their family's name. Now with Zelophehad only having five daughters, that's a problem. The family is now in jeopardy of losing their inheritance and their family name. You think the daughters want to lose all that? No. And it's not like it was their fault, right? They were born women. They had no control over that. Oh, excuse me. (coughs) So where is the justice for them? In such a tradition (coughs) that displays no equity. Oh my, (coughs) excuse me. Thank God for water. So this was a blocking fence in the justice and the equity image that we saw from before. Does this disturb you that these daughters would not get their father's inheritance? Well, it should. It disturbs me. The very first time I read this years ago, I was like reading it in my room and I'm like, what the heck? What's all that about? You know, and there's a reason why God put this passage in the Bible. And you know what? This resonated with me because I also come from a family of just daughters, but I will share about that a little bit more later. Living in justice and equity is important because it does affect all of us. We don't always admit it. We don't always feel it. It's not right in our face all the time, but it does affect all of us. Did you know that justice is the second largest theme in the Old Testament? Idolatry, in case you're curious, idolatry is the first. But many times they go hand in hand. And God talks about justice in the Bible, over 2,100 verses in the Bible, God talks about justice. Justice is at the very heart of God. We cannot know God's grace without encountering his justice. So think about it, right? How do we even know what justice is if we didn't even experience injustice? The injustice is all of our lives is this invasion of sin that separated us from God. But thanks to His grace, a gift that we do not deserve, He has brought about justice and equity for us in an eternal relationship with him by sacrificing his only son, Jesus, for us. Jesus is our new fence, like in that image, but more like a bridge. So we all have access to our heavenly Father. Yes, amen. That's good news. That's good news. So now we are equipped to be agents of justice and equity in our world, in our lives. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This verse doesn't say to act justly just when we feel like it. It says that the Lord requires it of us. When you see or hear here. Um, acts of injustice like someone being bullied right something boils within you right you know it's not right or we know that someone goes to jail because of racism without the ability to pay their way to get a good lawyer to stand up for themselves to speak up for themselves that boils in us too right even if it's just a little bit but that should boil within us because it strikes something in us it's because of the injustice and this strikes the heart of God, and it strikes within us because we are his children. No one is exempt from facing injustice, even if it may seem to be far, but it really does affect us all. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Every part. There's a reason why we feel this constant battle of injustice, because there are still parts of the body that are suffering. Unfortunately, we will continue to see suffering in the body until our Jesus comes back again. But we can do something about it. God called us to do something about it. He requires it of us. So today, we look at this passage in Numbers with this question. How do we live a life of justice and equity? First, boldly live into your identity as God's beloved child. The five daughters knew their identity as daughters of Israel and therefore as daughters of God. Because they knew this, they knew of their God-given rights as citizens of Israel to their father's inheritance. God himself outright validated the daughters. Validated them in verse 7 by saying, what Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance. If these daughters didn't realize their identity, would they have been able to address this very important matter about their family's rights? No, I don't think they would have had the courage. I don't think they would have been able to. Identity. Knowing who you are is our foundation. In his book, Soul Care, Dr. Rob Reamer states, what you believe about yourself is the foundation of your life. It is your identity. So what do you believe about yourself? Some of these beliefs may actually be masked as lies. Are there certain lies that you've grown up with that trouble you and your identity as God's beloved daughter or son? A good test to see if there are lies that you believe in is to see when you get defensive, when you get annoyed, or when you get compulsive. Do you get defensive when someone points something out about you? Pay attention to your reaction and keep your identity in check by taking the time to stop and process why you got defensive. And you can process this by asking Jesus yourself. He wants to talk with you. He wants to answer. He wants you to go deep with him. And he's really the best source. You could also journal, help you process through writing, and ask faithful people in your life, If you were secure in yourself as a child of God who is broken but redeemed, there's no need to get defensive. Instead, you can own up to your own broken ways. Admit to it, right? And admit that you're a work in progress. So an example is, you know, I have two kids. Um, My son, Ethan, is 14. My daughter, Eleven, is 12 so those of you who have teens and preteens you could feel my pain it's a blessing too i love you guys but you could feel my pain um <laughs> you know they don't always want to spend time with you right i'm their parents so i understand you don't always want to spend time with your parents right <laughs> however i get really hurt and i get really upset right and I start feeling very rejected I get angry and I get controlling like even this past Friday you know there was no FNF no youth group whatever right so we had like this free time so let's watch a movie together and we all enjoy watching movies right but they're like you know rather play video games or you know chat with my friends online whatever right and so they're like do we have to mom I'm like yes (laughs) I was like, you're going to come down and watch a movie right now, you know? And so I had to check myself. I had to check myself. Why do I get so upset? Right? They're just being teens, right? But why do I get so upset? What do I believe? So I took time to ask Jesus about it while I'm sitting there by myself, waiting for them to come join me. I was asking Jesus, And he helped me to realize this underlying lie that I'm unwanted. This underlying lie that I'm unwanted, particularly by my family. I'll explain more why as to where this lie comes from a little bit later. (laughs) A little cliffhanger for you. But I realized the effect of this lie, and I'm working through overcoming this lie by embracing God's truth that I am his beloved daughter, that I am always wanted by him. So I had to explain this to my kids. I had a really good conversation. It was hard, but I had this good conversation with them. And I asked them, to remind me that when they want to go out, they don't want to spend time with me right now at the time, to remind me that they love me. Just tell me that you love me. Remind me that. And then say, but I really want to just finish this game or I really want to just finish this video chat with my friend or that I need some time alone. Then I won't feel so rejected, (laughs) which will help me overcome this lie as God's beloved daughter. It's still a work in progress, but I'm thankful that we've begun to work together. Do you get annoyed when someone in your home just lounges around and becomes a couch potato? And I guarantee this is going to happen a lot (laughs) in the coming weeks. Keep your identity in check. Pay attention to why it annoys you. Ask Jesus, journal, and talk with others about it. Perhaps you believe that your value is found in performance. So you can't stand it when someone is being lazy. Do you get compulsive over things in order to make you feel good about yourself, especially when your sense of value or worth is being shaken? When something doesn't go your way, do you become a control freak and overwork? yourself to prove your worth? When I firmly believe in my identity as a child of God, I do not need to get compulsive. Please take these questions seriously and take the time to test and check yourself. I recommend that you read or reread Soul Care and go deeper. When you do, you'll be testing your foundation your identity, and then you can do something about it. And actually, this summer, Metro's going to be hosting a soul care conference, so I really hope that you read and process and attend the conference. The five daughters did something and took action because they knew their identity as God's beloved daughters who had rights and to live in justice and equity. So do you know your identity as God's daughter or son? If you do, then there's no need to be afraid. There's no need to be defensive. There's no need to fall apart when something bad happens to you. We can live a life of justice and equity. The second lesson God is teaching us as to how to live a life of justice and equity is to boldly come forward, stand, and speak. In the latter part of verse 1 into verse 2, it says, They came forward and stood before Moses, Eliza the priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting and said, And said, As the five daughters lived into their identity as God's beloved daughters, they came forward and stood. They knew their rights as children of their father and therefore had the courage to go before Moses and all the leaders. You know, back then, this was a very dangerous and brave thing to do. They could have died for coming forward in this way as women because women weren't regarded as men you know they weren't regarded to have any value or nobility to be able to come up and speak up like this especially to all the leaders but they upheld their identity as God told them not as the culture not as the society tried to oppress them and put them down they came forward and spoke boldly because they knew their identity in God. In verse 3, the daughter stated, our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan? Because he had no son. Give us property among our father's relatives. Here, the daughters did not shy away from stating the facts, especially if it was going to bring shame upon their family. So in Numbers chapter 16, the men of Korah were a tribe of men that rose up against Moses and Aaron, who was their leaders. And they were challenging them about their authority. So God clearly appointed Moses and Aaron, so God got angry. Right? He got really pissed off at Cora and the followers. So what happened was that there was an earthquake and a fire that literally swallowed Cora and his followers up. That's scary, man. Better watch out, right? So that literally happened. So now the daughters know that there's a stigma about being associated with Cora and his followers, right? So they knew this, so they came forward. They stood and they spoke this truth to make sure that the stigma doesn't follow their family. Instead, they boldly shed light into their situation in truth. How do we need to come forward to stand and to speak in justice and equity? One way is to face the truth of our situation by processing and grieving what we do not have. We cannot ignore the hurt and the pain of being oppressed either as a woman or as a man, as a minority, in whatever way. We cannot ignore the hurt and pain Oh, sorry, I just said that. I have come to realize how we do not know how to grieve well. And we as a church, we're not exempt. Grieving is associated with being emotional and weak. But church, what is wrong with being emotional? Okay, that's right. I am known to be the weeping prophet of our church. I am proud of it. You know why, you know why, not to toot my own horn, but I actually believe it takes a lot of security to bear our emotions. A lot of times, men, women, when we cry, we apologize, but you know what? No more apology. (laughs) Let's be secure. No more apology. So grieving is not a weak thing. And you know how we really know that? Jesus himself, Jesus himself grieved in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was to go to the cross and die for us. He grieved. He took that time. And not only did he take that time to grieve for himself, he grieved in community. He grieved with his disciples, those who are close to him. He knows the power of grieving and communal grieving. And grieving is a necessary process. And I pray we all have faithful people that we can grieve with whenever necessary. So I've had to grieve these holes in my identity with Jesus, with my mentor, with my counselor, and my sisters. And I'm still grieving. I'm still processing a lot of this stuff. If Jesus needed to do that, how are we exempt from that? I recently read a book called The Grief Recovery Handbook that shared a good question about things we may be grieving. When we process a particular situation or loss to grieve, ask yourself, what do I wish had been different, better, or more? If we could go back in time, I'm sure there are a lot of things we would want to change. However, realistically speaking, we can't go back in time. We can't change the actions of our parents or of adults or of other people that we grew up with that may have hurt us. However, awareness is key. And what we do now is what really matters. We have the power and the responsibility for our current reaction to what happened in our past. Otherwise, we wind up feeling like a victim for the rest of our lives. That's not God's calling for us. The five daughters of Zelophehad had grieved over their father's death and They also grieved the traditional way of losing their father's inheritance and their name because they're daughters. But they did not stay in their grief as victims. They came forward. They stood and they spoke. Against the stigma, against the stigma against their family and boldly challenged that their father's name should not disappear and that they should carry on their father's property. That's right. I know it's actually really easy to stay in the victim mentality. I recently realized that I myself I slip into that now and then. So I'm preaching this to myself just as much as I'm sharing this with you. To know that yes, we may have been victimized. But that's not our identity. Our identity is not as a victim, but as a conqueror, conqueror, as God tells us in Romans 837. So let's come forward. Let's stand. Let's speak. Church, I know that there are a lot of struggling marriages in our midst. Take the time to process and grieve what you need to grieve in your marriage with Jesus, and then come forward with what you know is right or isn't right and stand up for it. Trust the Holy Spirit within you. It's grieving. It's grieving with you. And speak. If there's something you grieve in your singlehood, and being content, as Pastor Sunita preached, come forward boldly as a single person, yes, knowing that marriage is not the end goal in life. Trust me, it's not. But embracing your identity, taking the time to know yourself well. Because if you think about it, right, if you do get in a relationship, you got to get to know that person. So that's even more work. So get to know yourself first. Get to know yourself well. Stand up for your beliefs and speak truth. If there's something to grieve in your relationships with family members or friendships or coworkers, come forward to be honest and true to yourself and others. Stand for what is right and speak forth the difficult things that need to be said. I think too often we're insecure in our own identity and afraid of what the other person might think or say if we were to really tell them the truth, especially if it's hard. But we're not doing anyone any favors either for the other person or for myself by not speaking the truth in love and in justice. With the coronavirus, um, there's been a lot of fear, there's been a lot of anxiety, and there's been a lot of injustice. My mother actually shared with me that four of her friends who were Korean, they walked into this Italian restaurant and they were turned away from even entering the restaurant because they were Korean. I was pissed. When my mom told me this, I was like, Give me that restaurant's name, and I'm going to give them a call or go over there to myself, you know? And my mom was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay, Shirley. Don't worry about it. It's fine. So she wouldn't give me the name of the restaurant, right? So, yeah, she has to, right? Yeah. And you know what? I was so sad. I grieved over that for my mom. You know, I grieved that my mom felt like she couldn't really, she couldn't tell me because she didn't want to cause trouble, Right? But I didn't give up. I calmed down (laughs) and I told my mom, mom, they have to know that this is wrong. And the only way they'll know is if somebody comes up and we stand and we speak up and we say something. So please, will you find out the name of this restaurant? And so finally she said, I will. So I'm still waiting. She's gonna get it to me. (laughs) So we can come forward. We can stand. And we can speak up. Amen. You know what? God might be waiting for us to speak. Because you know, God can speak, man. He can speak in however way, however, whenever way he wants to, right? Yeah. But he's calling us to speak, right. he wants us to be his mouthpiece. So, this brings us to our final lesson that God is teaching us as to how to live in justice and equity, boldly pursue cultural transformation. The daughters pursued cultural transformation regarding a family inheritance in justice and equity for all the daughters of Israel. In verses 6 to 7, it says, The Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. And in verse 11, this is to have the force of law for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. Commentators state that the motivation of the five women, it's not selfishness. It's about advocacy on behalf of others. They didn't act just for themselves, but for the good of their whole community, tribe, family, nation, the whole tradition of God's people. These five sisters took one small step toward greater justice for women by appealing to the core values of their shared Israelite tradition. They encourage and direct us about issues of justice and gender, These five women teach us to dig deeply and argue persuasively from within a shared biblical tradition if we would overturn old customs and create new possibilities in the social and economic relationships between women and men. These women are models of boldness fueled by hope. Models of advocacy fueled by a concern for the larger community. And models of faithfulness fueled by a dynamic relationship with their tradition, especially with their God. These five daughters pursued cultural transformation in their context. We can pursue cultural transformation in our context too. In your marriage, if there are problems with your spouse being more attached to his or her parents more than you, know your identity as God's beloved child and come forward, stand and speak up to transform the culture of your marriage. You are supposed to come first. Don't second guess yourself. God transformed the culture with leaving and cleaving in a culture where husbands were all about their parents over their wives. God states in Genesis 2.24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. If you feel like you're not being respected and honored by your spouse or significant other or even a friend... Pay attention to your unhappiness with this and know your identity as God's beloved child and come forward. Stand and speak up to transform this culture in your relationship. Don't give up until it happens. Please, don't give up. God knows you deserve it and you know you deserve it too deep down. Husbands and wives are equal partners, man, so live like it. Why do we women feel like we got to do everything, right? Come on. But it's important to do so with this identity that we know we have the foundation in as God's beloved. God's beloved, not as an angry, bitter person. That's why it is important for us to take that time to grieve first. Grieve first, process it, let it all the emotion out, because it has to come out one way or another. And then renew your mind as God's beloved. Sit down with your spouse or the person you're in a relationship with, and have this difficult but freeing conversation out of your hurt to bring cultural transformation in that relationship. In your singlehood and being content, know your identity and come forward in transforming cultural norms in singlehood. You're not meant to live with marriage as your end goal, as culture tends to dictate, but in God's unique, empowering calling for where you are. There's so much you can do. You know it, right? There's so much you can do. Feel God's empowerment for you as God's beloved son or daughter and live out boldly in your singleness. Get rid of the lies of the stigma and live as an empowered single person as God's beloved child. Amen? Amen. That's right. In relationships with family members, friendships, and coworkers, know your identity as God's beloved child and work on healthy relationships. When someone speaks to you disrespectfully, you can embrace yourself as God's beloved and then respectfully, persuasively speak up for yourself the way the five daughters did. Unfortunately, many of us grew up without healthy relationships being modeled for us. But we can break those chains from what we've seen and grown up with. Trust in the Holy Spirit within you and bring about justice and cultural transformation in your relationships in Jesus' name. Because he is our role model. Amen? Amen? Amen. In your town and community, what can we do? Did you know that Metro started with justice as its heartbeat? So, get plugged in with Jack our justice, advocacy, and compassion ministry to serve the town of Englewood, including prisoners and senior citizens. In your own town, stay up to date by going to your child school meetings or town hall meetings and come forward and stand and speak up in justice and equity for your children and for your town members, your neighbors. You know, even for me, In preaching today, it's a justice and equity issue. I'm thankful to be part of a church, to be part of a staff that empowers me as a female to preach. You know, there still are a lot of churches where females are not encouraged and discouraged and banned from preaching. So the fact that I get to be up here and speak as a female leader I'm so thankful for that justice in our church. With the coronavirus, people have been told to work from home. But did you know that there are many people with low income who cannot afford to work from home to pay for their rent? And they can't afford to work from home because they need food to survive on a daily basis. You know that a quarter of workers in the U.S. do not have access to paid sick days? And in the lowest 10% wage earners, that number goes up to two-thirds who don't have access to paid sick days. So what? Tough for them to have to go to work in these days and get sick? You know, I, I know that it's good protection for our NBA players and for fans that the games have been canceled, but what about the people who work to clean the stadiums for their livelihood? This is an injustice that we don't really think about every day, but you know what? This has come to the surface now to us, so let's do something about it. Cultural transformation. Let's be mindful. Of them And advocate for others with low income in raising awareness and speaking up in any way that we can. For your country, go forward, stand, and speak for cultural transformation by voting for issues. Vote. You may think that doesn't make a difference, but it does. Vote, right? And vote for people who also live for justice and equity. In the world... Zemele is a nonprofit organization that supports women and children in South Africa to stand on their own two feet in the midst of poverty and oppression. If that's not living in justice and equity, I don't know what is. So support Zemle. Now, these are just a few examples of how we can pursue cultural transformation. But just pay attention to how the Holy Spirit prompts you because he lives in you. He stirs in you. He's speaking to you. Just all we have to do is pay attention and act. So I've recently discovered a faulty foundation in my own identity. I realize that I struggle with my own identity as God's beloved daughter at times. And to be honest, it's hard for me to confess that because I'm a pastor. But you know what? It's the truth. After taking a lot of time to process this with Jesus and asking Him to search me, He prompted questions in me to ask Him and gave me opportunities to discover more about myself through attending a soul care conference and then reading the book and taking intentional time to process it. I had to take this time to process this with Jesus, with my mentor, my counselor, and my trusted faithful sisters. In the process, he reminded me of certain memories and the memory of my birth. When I was born, I was the last daughter of three girls, no sons. It was tradition for the paternal grandfather to name the grandchildren. So he named my two older sisters, but reluctantly because they were girls. By the time I was born, he was so upset that he stormed out of the hospital without naming me. On top of that, in the delivery room, there was no congratulatory cheer that I was born, that I was healthy. There was only this thick layer of shame on my mom for having given birth to another girl. That shame for my mom, it still hurts. I'm still grieving that. But you know what? this whole thing, that affected my identity from birth, of believing this underlying lie that I'm unwanted, that I'm unworthy. Then growing up, I grew up with my parents fighting a lot with the stresses of living an immigrant life and running a business together 24 seven while raising my two older sisters who who got into quite a bit of trouble. my dad at times. So growing up in this environment, my role in my family was that of a peacemaker and an optimist to keep the peace in the home, to keep everybody happy and not angry all the time. I worked hard at doing that. The part of the result of growing up in this role was believing this lie that my needs and my wants, they're not important. That other people's needs And other people's wants are more important than mine. And when it came to my own needs, I didn't really know how to process it. And if there were struggles along the way, I had a hard time sitting in it because I always would want to run away from the negative, run away from the anger and the rage, run away from the things that bring me down and try to be optimistic instead. So I had begun the healing process with Jesus of knowing my own identity as his beloved daughter. From birth, after welcoming Jesus, he gave me this time of prayer where he showed me in a vision when I was born in that labor delivery room that he was there. He took me as his beloved child and he held me. And he was that congratulatory cheer for me, that I was born, that I am wanted. I'm so wanted by him. And that I am worthy because he gave me this life and he died for me. I always knew that he died for everybody else, that his salvation was for everybody else, but I struggled. I struggled to really believe it for myself. But he gave me this opportunity, this vision to remind me that I am his beloved daughter and that I could work through this lie that I'm unwanted, that I'm unworthy. So I am learning myself, church. I preach this to myself to come forward, to stand and to speak in justice and equity for myself and my relationship with my father, with my husband, with my children, bringing forth God's empowered cultural transformation in my own life. My sisters and brothers, let's live a life of justice and equity. Boldly live into your identity as God's beloved child. Boldly come forward, stand, and speak. And boldly pursue cultural transformation in bringing God's justice and equity for ourselves and others around us. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus tells us, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied. Church, let us hunger and thirst for justice and equity in our personal lives and in the community that God has placed us in, and be satisfied in him. Let's pray. God, thank you for being our loving father. Thank you, God, because many of us really long for that. And we've searched for it for a long, long time. Thank you, God, that you are that God, our Father who holds us the way Una and Evelyn showed us at the start of their dance, that God, you hold us in our fear, you hold us in our insecurities, you hold us in our lies, and God, you want to set us free from these lies you want us to remember who we are because you have made us and God you told us in your word we are fearfully and wonderfully made God thank you let that truth seep deep into our souls deep into our spirits God because it is your truth it is truth and because of that God thank you that we can know our identity as your beloved and that we can come forward God that we could stand and that we can speak up, Father. Thank you that we do not have to second guess ourselves, but that we can pay attention to the work of your Holy Spirit that is alive and lead us. And then we could boldly pursue cultural transformation because God, this world it's so depressing. It's so sad. It's so broken. But God, we know our identity and we know that we're not going to live as victims, but we're going to live as conquerors, God. We thank you that you have called us. You have made us as more than conquerors. And so we shall bring forth cultural transformation in your mighty name. Because God, that's who you are. And that's who we are. We praise you, God. Receive all the glory as you do your work in us, as you set us free in your truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. We're going to go through some next steps. Uh, If you have your app, there's no bulletin, so (laughs) if you have your app. Step one, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time. You know, the only way we'll get rid of these lies that we've grown up with, and we all have them, the only way we'll get rid of these lies is with Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus yet, I really hope and pray that you make that choice today. Two, I will live in justice and equity by boldly living into my identity as God's beloved child and read Soul Care or attend the conference this summer, Or actually both would be better. Three, I will live in justice and equity by boldly coming forward, standing and speaking for myself and others in my home, work, and community. And four, I will live in justice and equity by boldly pursuing cultural transformation. And start with me. We're not too little. We're never too young, never too old. Start with me in my own life and in the lives of others by volunteering in our Jack ministry, and in any other way that the Holy Spirit prompts you to. Church, we can do this. We can do this. And there's power in numbers, so let's encourage each other, spur each other on, right, towards love and good deeds in this world that seems to be falling apart. Because you know what? People who don't know Jesus yet, they need him, and they need us, his children, his beloved sons and daughters, to show the way, bring them along. Let's do this together, church.